When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. another edition of actually first ever edition of dnvr rams late night i was going to come in with the traditional dnvr rams podcast intro this is dnvr rams late night we're off the rails i'm justin michael i'm joined by andre simone we are presented by chevalier mortgage as always and uh yeah there's a lot to dive into obviously colorado state coming off of a 24 21 loss to vanderbilt at home I'm at a loss for words, guys. Uh, you know, I think my thing is always positivity, and I try and preach that I'll be as positive as I can until I can't anymore, until, you know, we reach that place in which you have to throw positivity out the window and you've got to be a realist. And unfortunately, I think we're already there. It's game two. It's game two. And the season already basically does not matter. And I hate saying stuff like that. Because, yeah, they could turn things around quickly. And, yeah, mathematically speaking, you could still reach a bowl game. Mathematically speaking, you could still contend for a Mountain West championship. But uh, you just lost to a team that hasn't beaten an FBS team in almost two calendar years after losing to an FCS team by 19 points. Um, So I guess I'm just feeling embarrassed and uh, not very proud to be if if we're keeping it real at the moment. I think... This program's fallen drastically in the last half decade, and, and we'll talk more about this when I get into my final thoughts. But that's just kind of what I wanted to start the show off with. Yeah, I'm normally the positive guy. Uh, I don't know how you I don't know how you focus on the positives after such a such a letdown performance. Dre, I was there in Fort Collins. Obviously, it's going to be a little bit raw for me. It is my alma mater. I was there in person. I expected things to go differently. You were watching down from Lakewood. You know, what is your instant reaction to how this all played out? Yeah, um, I think everything you said is spot on. Um, I, I think what's more disappointing isn't so much who Vanderbilt was coming in because, you know, who CSU was coming in, anything's possible. But um, But the way the game played out, I mean, the first quarter is seemingly – 
a boring blowout against a Vanderbilt team that should didn't really look like they could even hang with the Rams on the same field. Santeo's feeling it, 6-6, six six, right, until the drive stalls out down in the red zone. Um, and even there, the missed field goal, it's like whatever. Like, they couldn't even hang. Um, they couldn't get the, – like, their quarterback just couldn't do anything. You almost felt embarrassed for them. Um, and yet there was a vibe on the sidelines that was very different. And Adazio, who – was clearly irritated that they were letting these guys hang around, that they weren't doing the small things. And a Vandy coach that seemed kind of calm, just hoping that finally his guys could find a rhythm. And, um, man, that was, uh, that was a mess. I'd, I'd almost say credit to the Rams for uh, at least putting together that drive at the end. To make it competitive and uh man like the refs and those penalties on that final drive really really suck i don't know that the i'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to go back and watch the penalties i told myself i wasn't gonna rail about the penalties on this one i thought both targeting calls were questionable but yeah. again i'll have to go and, and dive in then um there was one maybe maybe a little bit of a questionable pass interference call. The rest of them were spot on. It was just an undisciplined night from CSU football, 115 yards and penalties. You're not going to win. Todd Santeo said it, but I am going to kind of talk about some of those missed field goals and stuff um, in a little bit when we get to the turning point of the game here. But I'm glad that you brought up just kind of how this game swung going into halftime because CSU was dominating. I mean, they should have gone into halftime up at least, at the very minimum, 20-0, likely something more like 27-28-0, and they just didn't do it. I mean, Steve Adazio said post-game, he was thinking at halftime that same thing. You know, he's thinking, man, I'm thinking we should be up 28-0 right now, and I hope this doesn't come back to bite us. And all I could think when he said that was, if that doesn't like sum up CSU football in a nutshell, just waiting for something bad to happen. The head coach is waiting for something bad to happen. Yeah. It, in general, I'm going to have to like go through and, and re-listen to all this audio again from post game, especially. Um, it was not a reassuring press conference. If you were looking for like a Steve Adazio, that's going to come out and just be like, this was unacceptable point blank period. You know, we, we lost to an FCS team. Now we lost to a terrible Vanderbilt team. It wasn't bad. You know, wanted to focus on the positives and the side and like, it was disheartening, man. It was, it was very disheartening. Yeah. And the other thing is, I mean, it's so clear. I honestly think this team has a ton of talent. Um, I think that's what makes it worse is when you yeah. see it, there is an ability, there is a way that this offense can be effective. I mean, we saw it at times tonight. We saw it even at times in that South Dakota State game. And coming into the season, I think that's kind of where my optimism stemmed from. You have Trey McBride, you have Dante Wright, you bring in David Bailey, who's come in and scored four touchdowns in the first two weeks of the season. Like you have all these pieces, but you just you can't seem to consistently move the football. Um, shout out to Nicholas Toffelmeyer, AKA daily Adam Thistlewood. Thanks for listening tonight. Um, if anyone's curious, that's what the bot Steve Adazio's buyout is starting December 2nd. It drops from 5 million to 3 million. I hope Joe's starting to get that money ready. Uh, I would, if you see, 
I would add, um, sorry to cut you off, but I would add some of the studs on the D-line. Like, there are some studs on this team. And honestly, Vandy and CSU are almost mirror images of each other. Like, they're teams that they have talent because there's plenty of stuff to sell about both programs. But they're kind of mishmash put together. And while there is some talent, there are also tremendous holes and those holes got exposed. Um, so, like, and that's the thing. Like, the, the other thing is this team is just a different team playing with the lead than playing from behind. Like, a different team. And that's that's the Adazio identity. And, yeah, it, it kind of sucks. I guess what's just concerning to me is the lack of flexibility. I actually thought the play calling was really solid in the first half. I thought that they were – running diverse sets is that they were doing a good job of mixing in heavy sets with, you know, the spread and kind of trying to base everything on play action and then still, you know, hitting the run game hard. And I don't know, it just felt like in that third quarter, it all kind of went out the window. They stopped targeting Trey McBride for a really long stretch in this game. Uh, Dante Wright left the game with an apparent injury. Hope he's okay. He would be a brutal loss for this program. Um, Shout out to everyone in the chat, by the way. The the chat is absolutely popping for it being one in the morning. Thank you guys for staying up. Um, We just had a comment about the DNVR bar being popping tonight. I I, I wish I was at the bar tonight. I wish I was getting hella drunk with stalwart media with the Ram faithful that were there at the DNVR bar. Uh, We might be pretty tanked for that Iowa game, brother. I'll just, I'll be real with you. That's going to be a long one. I, I, I just... I'm so dejected right now. Like I came in feeling pretty optimistic. Like you're going against a terrible Vanderbilt team. You have an ideal start. You get out, you know, the offense is clicking. The defense forces multiple three and outs. You're looking dominant. And then you just completely choke it away. Like I, I don't know how you sell the positives after this one. Cause I do think you're right. I mean, when you look at some of the numbers, like, you know, Bailey did some good things. The passing offense was not as good as it was last week, but they ran the football better. They were more gap sound on defense. You lost to Vanderbilt. To Vanderbilt. Yeah, I mean, the positives are there are some players to build some semblance of an identity of a football team that can be competitive. Uh, and that can that can build on this, you know, because ultimately, yeah, you'd like to win these. They are semi-meaningless non-conference games that have been played so far. Um, I guess I the thing is, is I'm still not that concerned about the players themselves. I don't believe in this program right now, and I definitely don't believe in the coaching staff. And like I. I've been fair, man. I've been in terms of like, you have to wait and see, you know, it hasn't been a big enough sample size. 2020 was wonky. They didn't have a traditional training camp. They had to juggle rosters. They had to move people around. What's the excuse this year? Because this team's only getting worse next year. You lose Trey McBride, you lose Scott Patchen, you lose Manny Jones, you lose Toby McBride. You're probably going to lose some, some other guys to transfer as well. I you're in a really scary spot as a program and especially just given like the state of college football and like where things are heading and potential big 12 expansion and like some of these G five schools getting left in the dirt. 
I think you should be pretty nervous as a CSU fan right now because, like, as as pissed off as I get when people like Mark Kisla go and tweet about CSU basically being D2 or basically being FCS, like, they are trending in that direction at the moment. They are. Yeah, and the other thing that's concerning is where's that next QB down the line, you know? That too. Your, your supposed savior is already transferred out of the program. Yeah, and nothing against Todd Santeo, but you he's not it like look you're very very the best they got right now Mm -hmm. you know and you can be a competitive football team with Todd Santeo sure for the most part his decision making is okay he had an absolutely terrible interception tonight where he forced it that was a huge moment in that game and how for the most right got injured yeah for the most part though I mean he's not He's not necessarily the reason they're not winning, but he's just not a quarterback that's going to be able to elevate you and make those big-time plays. I mean, he made a couple of nice throws tonight, but again, it was there were a couple of other ones. I think back, he had a chance to hit Trey McBride in the corner of the end zone. It was a tough throw. He was rolling right, and it takes a really tough touch pass to drop it in over the DB, but it's just those little things. It's, you know, the out routes when you're, you should have an easy eight yards to Dante Wright, and he can't complete the throw. Anything with anticipation, anything where you need the ball out before, you, you know, the the receiver's broken his route, um, it just wasn't it, you know, it just wasn't And that's why some of it's on the coaches too, though, because it's like, stop calling it. You were calling the same yeah. plays over and over right. again, and they're not right. working. That right. third quarter, it was just, well, we, uh, we tried to draw up the middle and it went for one. That didn't work. We tried an out route and the ball bounced at his ankles. Didn't work the last three drives, but hopefully it works the next one. It's just like, and make an adjustment. I'm not sure I'm correct, but I don't believe they they had a first down in the fourth quarter until 5-11 in um, when they finally got going on that drive. I'd have to double check it. I know like halfway through the fourth quarter, they had like two first downs total in the second, in the half, second half. So I don't know exactly right. where those were, but. Yeah, really until that last drive where they went down and tied it. And even then it took until fourth down. So, I mean, just so uh, a team that couldn't be stopped in the in the first quarter, you know. And I will say, while the, the teams look kind of like they're parallels in some ways, there's some talent, but also massive holes. I, CSU, now my, mine's from a like... Uh, bird's eye view because I'm out here. You're you're there covering the team for years, and you know people in the building and everything. From my bird's eye view, in comparison to Vandy, uh, Vandy is a team that's trying to build that team camaraderie, and they're kind of like making some. CSU feels more like a, a squad of like some talented dudes, but more like hired mercenaries. Like there's not. No, I think that was spot on. This is a program that's just not together from top to bottom. I mean, the leaders of the program, they're going to say the right things publicly. You know, they're not going to come out and bash it, and they shouldn't. That's not how any of this works. But you can just see, like, they're not a team that believes they're going to win. I, I genuinely don't believe that. Like, And when what's interesting is... Adversity, they do that. Yeah, they just crumble, man. They, yeah. they crumble, and it's weird because they have so many veterans, and it's like they... They should be that team that's lost for a couple of years and finally learned how to win some of those tight games. But it almost feels like they're going the other way. I mean, what was crazy is they had outgained Vanderbilt by like 90 yards, had more first downs, all these crazy things. 
CSU was down by a touchdown and I'm turning to people on media row and I'm sitting here saying, despite the fact that you've outgained them offensively all night, I'm like, does anyone actually believe CSU can go down the field and tie the game right now? And to their credit, they did. They did. And of course they blew it right after that with a couple of untimely penalties, but just undisciplined, man, undisciplined football, untimely penalties. And ultimately that falls on the coaching staff. Like obviously you can blame the players in the, the moment. If you think I'm going to criticize Trey McBride for picking up a personal fat or non-sportsman, like you're out of your mind. Like that dude is, that's just how he plays. Like he chirps a lot and he's going to, it was a dumb penalty. It, it took him out of potentially attempting another long field goal before the end of the half. But yeah, but who cares? I, they couldn't make one from, they like, weren't going to make it anyways. Exactly, so exactly. <laughs> um, Trey had other moments where it was like, ah, missed block here, that bobbled ball. That it wasn't was perfect. The, it wasn't a perfect zone. No, and, and yeah. he goes off, you know, he had a huge game. But what you're talking about, Justin, then like almost reverting backwards. Yes, I have it in my notes. They, they're developing losing habits. There are 100%. winning teams like South Dakota State, who it doesn't matter if they're facing FCS or FBS. That's a winning program that has winning habits. And even if they don't have the best player on the field, they'll still find ways to win. Vandy, CSU, these are programs that have developed losing habits and are trying to get out of it. And while Vandy's maybe working on that, um, almost going in reverse. Yeah. It's going to be interesting, man. And, and we'll kind of dive into some of the turning points of the game here. And, and also a, a new segment. We have Bruce for you, uh, which will be a faster segment because it was supposed to be a fun one, uh, <laughs> but not a lot of fun to be had tonight, but we'll, we'll still keep it light. You know, again, like I'm just trying to point out and, and be honest with the situation here and just kind of, you know, give everybody my general assessment of where I think things are at. You know, I, I don't want the whole podcast necessarily to be like the world ends, everything sucks to be a CSU Ram, all that, but it's a it's a tough spot right now. Um, let's chat out, let's shout out our presenting sponsors over at Chevalier Mortgage real quick. Guys, yeah. it's stressful trying to buy a house right now. If you've attempted this process, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The housing market, it's crazy in Colorado. Let Mike and Virginia Chevalier take the burden off this extremely difficult process. They're gonna alleviate so much stress, take some of that worry off your plate. Chevalier Mortgage's ultimate goal is to take the stress out of buying and refinancing. They strive to give their borrowers options with their full financial picture in mind, with the highest level of integrity, always putting their borrowers first. They're proud DNBR members, they're CSU alum, and they work nights, they work weekends to make sure their clients are getting the best loan for their situation. Right now, they actually have a fun perk for DNVR listeners. If you visit them at dnvrmortgage.com, you can enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice. Most importantly, you're going to get set up with a free consultation to discuss all your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. You can also call Mike directly at 970-412-2472 or again, visit dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. I don't have a lot of love for CSU at the moment, but I do have a lot of love for Chevalier Mortgage. They have been with us for a long time. One of our OG partners, proud DNVR members, and they will hook you up. Make sure you contact them because they are the best in the business. All right, let's let's move on just from this instant reaction stuff because I could go on and on about how disappointing tonight was, and it, it definitely was. Um, 
God, man. Vandy, it was two years, two years since they'd beaten an FBS team. Granted, it was a ranked FBS team the last time they did it, but two yeah, years. But that almost doesn't matter. Like, if Vandy came out and played the way they did in the second half the entire game, then it's like, all right, I mean, I throw my hands up. They're just uh, in a better state. It's how the new Colfax shirt is dope. Shout out to our commenters. No, I think that's what made it such a gut punch was this is, was a game that you proved you do have the superior talent, but you outplayed and you got outcoached tonight. And that's just kind of what it comes down to. Some of the mistakes were on the players, the untimely penalties, you know, the just general undiscipline. A lot of that falls on the coaching staff to me. I, yes. It is definitely time to cut the cord on Canvas Chaos. If you're not sure what that is, it's like a hype thing they do at the end of the third quarter. Um, two weeks in a row, it's come at very inopportune times, like right after super deflating moments. <laughs> I will say, look, I know, I know all these people that work in the CSU creative department, and I know how hard they work to try and create things that are exciting for people and engaging. Yeah. I think Mace tweeted this last week. There needs to be a person on every sports staff that's there to just press the red X and abort, you know, Hey, we worked really hard on this. It was a really cool idea. We're losing by 19 to an FCS team. Let's maybe not do the hype promo after 80% of the stadiums already walked out again. Chaos is a great idea. Yeah. Heck yeah. We need that at uh, DNVR bar. That's just yeah. when everybody's, everyone has to chug their member beer or something. Exactly. exactly. Uh, all right. Let's, let's dive into brews for you. It's a new segment where we determine how big of a beer the players are going to get based on their performance. If yeah. you did absolutely awful, you're getting an O'Doul, non-alcoholic. You don't even deserve to participate in the good time. Okay. You're getting a pint. If it was a pretty good game, getting a men- uh, normal beer. Great game, member beer. If you're absolutely phenomenal, you're getting the beer tower courtesy of DMVR Sports and just getting absolutely schlitzed after a great night. That's right. So do we want to start with the bad or the good? Should we start bad and get progressively better or start with the few? I think that's the direction. It's the direction we're trending in anyways. So let's just lean into that transition. Yes. All right. Well, starting with an O'Doul, (laughs) this guy's getting no booze tonight. Caden Camper, CSU field goal kicker. It's been a brutal start to the season. I don't – kicker's such a brutal position because you're out there by yourself. If you mess up, you know, it's all on you. If you make it, you don't really get all the credit. I, I mean, you do in certain situations, but it's a brutal position. But the reality is when you miss a pair of sub-40-yard field goals at the Division One level, it's not good enough, and you lost by a field goal. So, unfortunately, while Caden Camper – I'm not saying he's the reason they lost this game. I'm not saying, you know, blame him, you know, get rid of him, kick the kid off the team or something like that. That it was not a good game. No beer for you, Caden. Even that final extra point was really, really. I was so nervous. No part of me was a hundred percent sure that was going. I I didn't even watch it. I just looked away and listened to the reaction. That was a toughie for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Also a quick disclaimer. This is a hypothetical game that I've made up. I don't know if all of these players are 21. I'm not actually giving them beer. It just seemed a little bit more fun than doing the generic helmet stickers. 
I feel so bad for these players. They're too talented to have the program do them like this. That comment comes from Nick Reese. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel for guys like Trey McBride who committed wholeheartedly to CSU. I feel for guys like Dante Wright, whose talent is just being wasted. Yeah, I feel for them as well. Um, do you have any response as far as the kickers go? Also, do you have any players that you want to throw out in terms of this, or do you just want to respond to mine? I'll respond to yours, and then if I, I might have a couple late add-ons. Okay, that was for me. So we started started with Caden Camper. He gets an O'Doul, unfortunately. Not a great game. There's not going to be a ton of those, but um, Steve Adazio also gets an O'Doul for lack of adjustments for losing to Vanderbilt. Um, yeah, I feel you. It's, uh, and I don't know, even maybe controlling the refs a bit more. Um, like, uh, just not gaining control of that game in any sort of way. Losing control, frankly, and never being able to regain it. That's you could just feel it happening, you know? As soon as, it, when it was 14-7 and it should have been 28-0, you just like, well, here we go again. And, you know, I think good coaching staffs are able to turn things around. I think a great example of this the other night was Blake Anderson in Utah State. They go down early uh, 14 to the University of North Dakota. They make a bunch of adjustments. They come out and they end up rolling them. That's what good coaches do. We didn't see that tonight. I'm not saying necessarily that Steve Adazio isn't a good coach or can't be a good coach, but it wasn't a good coaching performance tonight. Just, yeah. I mean, I, I don't really think there's any other way to put it. Yeah. Um, let, all right, let's try and make it a little bit more positive just because this is already starting to bum me out. Um, a pint, a solid, really per- good day, you know, did what he needed to do. David Bailey, CSU running back, 15 carries, 80 yards, averaged 5.3 yards per carry. Was really solid. Um, honestly, maybe even borderline deserving of a member beer because I think he was doing a lot with little. It was really explosive in that game. It was good to see. You know, there were some questions about if he was still going to have that same top speed after, you know, coming off the knee injury. He's been great. They just they need some traction in the trenches. You know, it was good early, but as we saw throughout the that game, they just weren't able to kind of consistently run the football. Yeah. Um I think that's the right grade. Uh, I, yeah, it's really on the verge of a member's beer or a regular pint. Um, wish they would have gone to more outside runs and stuff later on, which is what Vandy did. Uh, but, of course, with Dante Wright out, that makes things a lot harder for, for everyone. But um, that would have been a nice adjustment. I, I agree with you, but it really is on the verge of being a member's beer. He has looked phenomenal. He is one of the reasons I am encouraged that under this identity, this team could at least make some noise in Mount Westport. Well, on top of that, just kind of keeping with the borderline member beer, I gave him a pint, but I, I really would like to give him a member beer. Ajon Vivin, seven carries, 52 yards. Uh, had a 36-yard run, which was really explosive. I just want to see them get the ball in his hands more. Yeah. I'm not sure how effective he is as a pass catcher. I, I've kind of heard he's has a little bit of some drop issues, which is weird because he was a converted like wide receiver. But 
he's just one of those guys with the ball in his hands. He's quicker than most of the other dudes on the field. And when he's able to get into open space, some good things can happen. A little bit of a change of pace with David Bailey. I, I like that they got him involved tonight because last week they really didn't do it later. A uh, comment from Bagley Sober. I don't see any realistic wins left on the schedule after today. I'll talk about that in my final thoughts. Um, 0-12 isn't impossible. <laughs> I'll say that. I don't think it's going to happen, but it's it's not impossible. That is definitely definitely true, unfortunately. Um, yeah. It's college football. I see. It's rare to see teams not. You got to be truly terrible. I mean, it's happened. It's happened with CSU even, but it um, it would be a little bit surprising. Trey he was McBride. great. He was great Yo, on yeah. uh, Vivens. Just would of you know, like his biggest run. The drive then stalled out after that. Felt like they weren't. He was the one playmaker. They weren't quite able to capitalize off of his. Uh, big plays, but he's he's another really interesting addition. I mean, like, there's a lot of guys that it's fun to root for. And again, from a bit more of a bird's eye view, that's what's disappointing to me is that like, no, it's I I, I knew these guys could play. It's why coming into this yeah. game, like you know, I thought they'd be an okay team, six and six, seven and five. I never thought they were going to be a Mountain West championship team, but they sure. have talent to be competitive, to be relevant. Granted, I mean, they were competitive in this game. It wasn't like they got blown out, but, yeah. you know, it's just, I think that's what's so frustrating is you see guys like Vivens on the outside. You see what Trey McBride can do. You see Dante Wright. You see Scott Patchen. And then how does that correlate to the results you're getting? Yeah. yeah. You know, I think that's like where a lot of these fans are at and I think justifiably so. I think we've wasted a lot, a lot of talent over the last half decade or so. And some of that's on the old coaches as well. I mean, they're, you know, it's it's been a losing culture for, for quite some time now, but it, it does not appear that they have the right guy to turn things around. Um, Brew for you would give a pint to Trey McBride as well. Eight catches, 114 yards, uh, scored the game, tying touchdown. Only reason I didn't give him a member beer is he did pick up that unsportsmanlike uh, conduct penalty, which cost CSU a chance late at the end of the first half. He had to be fair with the grades, and he did whiff a couple of times in – uh, run block situations, so not not a perfect night for Trey, but a really solid night and definitely deserving of a pint. I felt <clears throat> I agree with the pint pre the final drive where he actually had that huge reception down the sideline, probably Centeno's best pass of the entire night, and then gets the touchdown. I think that was enough. Um, but yeah, even even the little like drop bobble when they were down in the red zone, the guy I of all the drops, that was one that I felt was more on trade than on Centeo um being off target or anything. So I don't know though. After that touchdown, it's it's 114 yards. I'm going members beer. I'm going right, members you, beer. You 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 swayed me. I think you're right. I think when you factor in the big time catch, just get them in the red zone in the first place. Yeah, exactly. And keep that drive alive and even give them an opportunity. And then obviously the game tying touchdown on fourth down. Like you need your big time players to make big time plays and big time moments. I know that is a cliche that gets used way too often in sports, but it's true. And that's Trey. I mean in that situation, there's like two guys you would want to target, Trey McBride or Dante Wright. Dante wasn't on the field. So if I have four downs, I'm tart and I'm within the five, I'm probably targeting Trey four times. Like I'm just 
I'm going to do what I can to get the ball in my best player's hands. Hundred percent. No, I, I and as we as we I thought we agreed that that flag was irrelevant because even had they remained in field goal range, they, they would, probably wouldn't have made it. Yes. You know. Yeah. I I I legit like. Pardon my French, but I could give a shit about the flag. Like Trey's one of those dudes that he plays so hard, he's naturally going to pick up some. I, I am trying to be fair, just because I hype him up so much. I do want to point out that I am capable of pointing out when uh, when it's not perfect, and and it wasn't perfect, but it was certainly was the best thing that CSU had going on offense tonight. And it's just why I don't understand why he didn't get more consistent targets throughout the second half. You saw it early; he's making plays that first drive. They target him twice. Two catches, both of them over ten yards, both of them first downs. Then they just kind of went away from it. Yeah, even the quarterback runs. I'm not sure. Got to stick to those a little more. Honestly, quarterback runs is kind of what all D1 programs in this state revolve around. This. Yeah, because you don't. They don't. None of the programs have like an elite pocket <laughs> passing quarterback that's going to sit back there and Peyton Manning you. You know you. You need a guy that can improvise. And when it comes to Todd Sincero, I mean, he's a big, strong dude. Jake talked about it when he came on it and broke down his film room with me. He had a QB sneak against South Dakota State where he went for eight yards, just basically like churning his legs. Like he's a beefy dude. He's strong, but I don't know. I think they're just worried about the depth behind him. Like they definitely ran him more tonight than they did last week. But I mean, when, it, when you have a true freshman as your number two, I guess the counter would be, I mean, if you keep losing, what does it matter? Um, I God, I we're really stretching here. I'm going to give a pint to Daquan Jackson. He led the team with 12 total tackles. Um, only two of them were solo, so it's kind of a lot of just like gang tackling. But just he's a guy I felt like I was watching a lot, and I was really counting on this defensive front seven as a whole. We'll just give it to the front seven. They get a pint. It wasn't member beer worthy. It definitely wasn't beer tower worthy. You know, they weren't completely wrecking the game, but they were gap sound. I thought they defended the run significantly better than they did last week. I mean, last week they got gash for 7.1 yards a carry. Let me see what they give up tonight. Um, Yeah. So 2.8 yards a carry significantly better. Um, Shoot. That might even be worth a member beer just for the defensive front seven. I'll, I'll do it. I'll give them a member beer for the defensive front seven as a whole Daquan patch in toby mcbride had a strip sack in this game um great to have both mcbride bros back out there but that's that's kind of where i'm at those are my my bruise um i think those were probably like the most impactful plays there are a couple other things thomas penunzio dropped what should have been a walk-in pick six uh, but he did have a good game overall with eight total tackles this secondary man it's it's just rough it's Tor- rough <laughs> It's horrible. Kind of the back seven, which is why I would argue a bit on a lower grade for even Jackson, because it's like if you're in any ways a member of that back seven, you're you're a problem. I would maybe even go as far as a beer tower to the front four. I think Scott Patchen and Toby, Toby especially. Those two were great tonight, yeah. Absolute huge impact players. Um and the problem is they were just gassed late, man. If you were watching them on that last drive, they weren't subbing. Yeah, And like those guys weren't even able to get off the snap because they were just, they were gassed. They've been on the field the entire half. Yeah. And we can talk about those penalties on the last drive all we want, but 
you stop at least one of those two drives. That field goal was this close to missing. You back I thought he missed it, actually. Oh, I did too. You back him up a couple more yards, maybe that is, you know, forces overtime. Like, you know, not that we we needed overtime. Like, like we need a bullet <laughs> in the head so you can do this at 3 a.m. instead of 1. I've got some for you. I would like okay. to know what what beer would you give um, to the vibes at Canvas the last two weeks? Well, that's it. Go at the beginning of the game or the end of the game? General vibes, man. Were they worthy of what was in the end an entertaining, good game that was, you know, fought till the end? I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know how you say it. I don't know. You lost no. to an FCS team no. and then you lost to a team that hadn't beaten an FBS opponent in two years. So. It de- the crowd was awesome. The crowd, the student CSU student section, you get a beer tower because you showed up there again. Go, it was packed. It, it was electric. Um, and that was even coming off of last week. So the CSU student section, they showed up. They did their part. It was only like 27,000, so a pretty weak crowd as a whole, especially with an SEC team coming into town. But again, I'm not going to blame the fans. Like The fans aren't who deserve criticism tonight. No, definitely not. Um, all right. Well, we've we've covered all others, and without going negative, I think that's where we should stop. That's the thing. I was like, I have a couple other guys I could give out duels to, but I don't really see the point in dragging on and on. Um, vibes were blameworthy. Let's 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 talk about the turning point, and then we'll give um, DraftKings pick of the game, and then we'll give our final thoughts because it's late night and. I don't want to start getting going down a rabbit hole where I start saying things I can't take back here. But as people can tell, I am very frustrated with how things played out. Um, for me, I think this ultimately comes down to the third quarter. I mean, there's a lot of stuff you could point at at the end of the second quarter in terms of failing to capitalize and really build that lead. Uh, but I just, to me, it, it I actually had it written down. It was like right after he threw Hudson Teo through the interception and they're able to go down and tie it. You could just feel the air go out of the stadium. And at that point, I mean, you shouldn't be so dejected. You shouldn't be feeling like it's already over when it's tied. And that was really the case. Like you were up early, you had all the confidence in the world. And so quickly, it just all went out the door. So I think you either got to look at that interception, which was just a case of yeah, Hudson Teo trying to do a little bit too much or, really even before that, because before Santeo threw that interception, you missed a field goal and then you missed an opportunity to get an easy pick six right off the bat and go back up 14 before you throw that pick. So to me, that was kind of the turning point of the game. Instead of getting a pick six and going up 14, you allow them, you know, you get the ball back and then you turn it over yourself and they go down and tie the game. So it's just, Brutal series of events. Um, yeah, drop pick six. That's what I was talking about. 14 point swing uh with That's Thomas Panunzio. I mean it's I um the Vandy coach immediately after the game said that um forcing the missed field goal early, he said was the first time his team had faced adversity, sunk their heels in, and kind of fought back and got results. Um 
And he said that the energy on the sideline was different after that. And it's true. I, I, I watched the entire game thinking of, will this be a turning point? And at that point I thought, well, geez, they're kind of pathetic, like jumping around after the Rams missed the field goal already up 14, zero, like, these guys literally cannot play with CSU right now. What are they getting excited about? But that really was the turning point for the coach. To me, and this really stood out in my mind, it's big number 19, Chris Pierce Jr.'s. That the, one-handed catch. The one-handed catch. Because at that point, even though it's 14-7, uh, Centeno throws the interception and they're driving. But it's third and five. And – I never felt like that offense was threatening in any way. I felt like, okay, the, the Rams front's going to handle them. They're fine. Like Vandy was, get, Vandy was getting receivers open up to that point, but it didn't matter because like their quarterback could not hit anyone. But then they get that play, and it was like, oh, they have something they can go to. They have another weapon in their arsenal that isn't just this like, I did make some plays. We're going to have to keep an eye on him over the course of the season because yeah. he was open all night. I mean, even before they hit it, he was burning dudes. I mean, Vandy had a couple of opportunities on deep shots that they just flat out missed. Like, yeah, big time. I, I think that's a, a great point. I think it either comes down to those interceptions. I mean, I think you can look at the, the missed field goals. And I, I do. I mean, that was one of those catches where everyone in the press box turns to each other and is like, holy shit, he caught that? And of all the flags that I think were debatable, shouldn't have been called. That one's one that probably could have been a flag. Makes an insane catch. And I think you could probably look at the stats. At that point, CSU's outgaining them by like 3 to 1, 300 to 100. I bet you it almost reversed from that point on. I think because you're spot on. I don't Andy think they really like, had it, an yeah. offensive plan. You know, they had an identity. They could sling it and figure stuff out. They were not scared off by the CSU corners one bit. Why would you? They were they were kind of horrendous today, with with all due respect. They were terrible. No, they're and the Rams lost their identity because at that point the game's tied, and all of a sudden you can't just milk the clock. You can't just feed it to Bailey. And, you know, bootleg play action and Trey McBride, it all became much more predictable that Centeno became a pocket passer. I'm like, um, and yeah, <laughs> look, and some of that. that's on coaching. Like you're not putting oh, your sure. offense, sure. you know, in a position to succeed. And that's kind of like the, the, the lack of successful adjustments in the second half was just so alarming. Cause that's what good football teams do, right? They're able to, kind of take their licks on the fly and then figure out what works and, and just kind of lean into that. And CSU did the opposite. They came out and they were working and they got faced a little bit of adversity and they just never were able to recover. They they were almost there. And then the other candidate for turning point would be, you know, I mean, for one, it's the umpteenth flag, a Marshawn Cameron, um, he got called for PI, what, three times tonight, I think, if that, not? That sounds right. The final one, probably the most debatable. He didn't turn his head, though. As I like, yeah, I called it even before they threw the flag. I was almost, like, he's going to get flagged. Yeah, I mean, and poor, you know, they just... He made a play on the ball. He just didn't turn his yeah. head, and that's like, it's one of those... You just have to do it to sell it for the refs, not even because it actually matters in terms of the play, but... And then it's yeah. Logan Stewart with the targeting, right? And I, I thought the first one maybe technically 
the the special teams one is, but it's not. Uh, that shouldn't have been a flag, not in the spirit of the rule at all. It was just kind of like incidental helmet. That's like the college football's got to figure out targeting men. We had a kicker get ejected for targeting tonight in the USC Stanford game. Like, I I like that you said it's not within the spirit of the rule. There are times where people's helmet technically, you know, goes down. Nick Navarro asked, spearing a guy you know john lynch style back in the day um and then you know i i do think the logan stewart by the and again that one might be kind of a bullshit like soft flag as well but as he dropped his helmet right now yes like he should have leaned in with easy for me to say but should have leaned in with his you know tried to with his shoulder not with the crown of his helmet but I mean, those are two killers. Those are two. They're not even turning points, though. That's like the nail in the coffin more than the turn. I was going to say those were more like that. Just kind of like I felt like the game was basically already lost before that had already happened. It was just one of those like, yep, we're just digging that hole. You know, there might have been an opportunity to climb out of it at some point. But you threw the shovel out and spat at the people staring at you and decided I'm just going to keep on digging with my hands here. So it was a. Super undisciplined game, man. Just super undisciplined. Whether, you know, we like the targeting calls or not, you can't have them in those instances. The pass interference calls were brutal. A lot of them, you know, again, I'd have to go back and double check some of them in terms of the timing, but it felt like a lot of them were on third down, which makes it worse because it's an opportunity to get off the field. And not only are you not getting off the field, you're giving them an extra 15 yards on top of that. 20 penalties combined from these two teams. Nine for Vandy, 11. It felt like a game between two teams that are probably going to combine for four wins this year. Yeah. 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 So, uh, but those, I I would say those are kind of the main turning points right there. That's where the momentum really flipped in this game. I I think you're right. But um, wasn't technically, wasn't technically all bad, I guess. Let's, let's talk about the DraftKings King of the game, and I say this a little bit tongue-in-cheek here. I'm so stoked to talk about it. I I am, though, because I love Ryan Stonehouse. This dude is going to make an NFL team very, very happy in the near future. He was money tonight. Six punts, 298 yards. Did have one get tipped, but it wasn't on him. Uh, actually, I watched the replay. They just let a dude come in untouched. Again, poor special teams play was a massive factor tonight. It's one of the things I'm definitely going to write about. Um, yeah, th- despite Stonehouse, I felt the Vandy outpunted <laughs> them, damn it all. Um, but he was amazing. Well, that was the thing. Stonehouse was great. He just didn't get any support. You know, he didn't get any blocking. He had another punt that should have been downed at the one, and like four different gunners just let it go right over their head. I mean, it's stuff like that that just drives you absolutely insane. Ross Reeder, the long snapper, I watched his reaction after that. You could just see the frustration, like, we can't place this punt any better than we did. And four of you just watched it go into the back of the end zone later in the game, though, he had an 81 yard punt, 79 yards net, like just an absurd kick. Yeah. That Iowa game is going to be very rough. We've had a couple of commenters mention that. Um, If you guys are going out to that one, I hope you are staying at a nice hotel and can still make it a fun vacation experience because that's what it's all about. And, you know, supporting the guys, all that. It's a great college football atmosphere, too. Yeah, I mean, it's it's probably, it's got to be like a top 10, top 15 college atmosphere in the country, probably. College football is also about 
two programs at a real low point, like Vandy, like Colorado State, figuring it out, working through their issues. And this game, you know, might be, we might look back and be like, yeah, that was a bit of a turning point back in 2021 or something, you know? Uh, probably more for Bandy than for <laughs> the Rams, frankly. But uh, this yeah, is all what college football is all about, you know? No, I mean, yeah. you're not wrong. And that's one of the things Steve Adazio brought up in his post game. And CSU fans aren't going to like it, but, you know, he kind of got asked, like, you know, you're two games in. Are you worried about losing the locker room? you know, after losing such frustrating games and he basically was just like, you know, this is the problem with society today. You know, you can't two games in and people want to throw in the towel and this, that it's all about like working. And then he wanted to talk about the positives and I kind of tuned out a little bit at that point, but <laughs> I'd, I'd, I've heard this spiel before. That's all it's I'm like, saying. It's like the classic dumb and dumber. Uh, I don't know. Something about how I never listened to her. I saw <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but oh, um, well, but that's his job. He's got to keep these kids invested for another. Oh no, yeah, like, well, I mean, what else are you gonna say? Yeah, like, like, you know, frankly, that was such a shit show. I'm ready to give up. I'm, I'm already thinking about next season. Yeah, you can't say that. All right, um, we're gonna wrap it up here with last call, keeping it on the theme of late night and and drinking and, and beers. This is an opportunity. All our DraftKings stuff. Is there? Oh no. Or- Oh, no, you're right. All right, we got a little more DraftKings before we go into last call. And speaking of DraftKings, first NFL Sunday, it's here. It's today, I guess. It's We're going to have NFL games in like nine hours. Yes. The excitement continues, though, with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. DraftKings is giving all new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. All you got to do, bet $1 on any football game this weekend, receive $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what. What a dope promotion. You heard me. DraftKings is giving all new customers $200 in free bets instantly. All you got to do is bet $1 on any football game. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, which makes it easy to deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any week one game. That promo code DNVR when you sign up to get a free $200 in bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Just keeping it on the on the tune of DraftKings, and I'm going to pivot real quick before we go to our last thoughts and kind of yeah. talk about the, the negative Um Obviously, a great game for Ryan Stonehouse. I need some punning props from DraftKings. I don't know who I got to talk to to make that happen, but I'm going to make that happen. I but think it's I Colorado to... legislators. Well, you know, Let... I've, I've been known to get some things done. Exactly. I'm a persuasive guy. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I got to get my DraftKings pick of the week, though. And I've Good. been saving it, and I've been waiting, and I was like, oh, do I, I should have gave out the college football line because – I knew San Diego State was going to demolish Arizona, and they did. By the way, I'll send you a – I had a parlay that did not hit – they were like plus 110. It was not smart. Um, CSU killed a killed a five-leg parlay that would have won me a lot of money tonight. So maybe that's why I'm in such a foul mood. But my DraftKings pick of the week is going to be the San Francisco 49ers – 
to cover a nine-point spread against the Detroit Lions. Now, really? I, I don't love spreads this big, especially early in the season, especially in the NFL. But I think this Detroit team is going to be about as bad as it gets, and I just think that this San Francisco offense is going to be electric. I think their defense is going to be good enough to hold them off the board, and because of that, a 10-point win over the Lions, that feels very doable. I, I would like, I would say something very crazy in terms of how confident I am that San Francisco is going to win this game. There's no value in the money line though. And that's why I'm going with the spread. So my DraftKings pick of the week, San Francisco to cover a nine point spread. I can tell Dre's skeptical. I hate it. Yeah, I hate it. <laughs> well, that's why we need different perspectives, that's but that's I will say, uh, this is NFL, not college football but I am 10 of my last 12 college football bets have hit. Guess which two didn't? Rams. The Rams. Yeah. So that is a great reminder to bet with your head, not with your allegiances, not with your heart. Um, And that's what I'm doing with this San Francisco pick. That's my DraftKings pick of the week. I think it's my head. Dre's skeptical, but I just think the Lions are terrible. I just think they're absolutely awful. So that's where I'm at. Um, If it doesn't hit... I will, I'll take it on the chin. You know what happens. Sometimes you're wrong. I was wrong about CU not being able to compete with Texas A&M. They looked like the better team today. Man, this is a crappy podcast. I'm just oh, trying. I know. Diving into how much the Rams oh, stink. Wow. I'm talking about CU being competitive. Like, we need to, we need to go to bed. But yeah. let's get into our last call. Let's just, our last thoughts, our final, whatever we want to say on this game is kind of, there's no rhyme or reason to it, but it's just, for me, it's just kind of where do you go from here? Because I think you're lost as a program. You have you don't have an identity. You don't have a winning culture. You have a fan base that's dejected. You have talent at the moment, but it's heading out the door. And you're in a position where college football is changing. I already kind of got to this earlier, but CSU can't afford to get left behind in the next five years. They've spent way too much money on athletics. They built this gorgeous new stadium. You know, you have this vision of, leaving the Mountain West behind and, and, you know, going to the Big 12. I mean, I don't even think CSU'd be all that competitive in, like, the Sun Belt right now, like the Big Sky. I mean, those, those dreams are long gone at this point. Nicholas Toffelmeyer, Daly, Adam Thistlewood, my thoughts, basketball school. CSU is a basketball school. CSU and CU are both basketball schools, if we're being realistic in the modern, uh, modern era of sports. Those are the... the kind of been the banner programs for the two schools, but football is what pays the bills, unfortunately. So football is kind of what is always going to move the needle in terms of like how these schools base their decisions, unless you're a Gonzaga, unless you're one of these small schools. And honestly, maybe that's what CSU should have done was just invest all of their money in, in basketball and not do football, but that's a, we're long past that point. So you've got to figure it out. Well, yeah, I mean, they're not, it, fact is they're not a basketball school it is a football school and uh the the athletic it's supposed to be it's the athletic budget says so but yeah it's supposed i it, you know college football is like this and my closing thought would be can canadazio's legacy be similar to steve fairchild's legacy where you know uh, immediately after you thought nothing of it 
With a little more retrospect, though, it was really like, wow, he in some ways set the basis, at least with the talent that was he there. Recruited well. for yeah, he was a very underrated That kind of like laid down the foundation for the one really brilliant stretch that we've had in the last, what, 15 years? Um, can't Because I don't know, at this point, it feels like that can kind of be the peak of the Adazio regime. Is that at least something he could do? Um, you hope so, right? You hope so. Though, again, the concerning part is that all the talent is kind of out the door in a year or That's so. That's where my optimism goes out the window. You know, Coming into this season, I felt like there was a lot of reason to be optimistic because of these players you had in place. You had these veterans. You had these guys that were battle-tested, that were supposed to be tired of losing, that were supposed to help you get over the hump very 2016 Buffs-esque, you know? Not necessarily the most talented team on paper, but talented where it matters and you have good leaders and, you know, enough talent at the skill positions to kind of like offset some deficiencies, help you punch up, you know, out of your weight class a little bit. That just hasn't been the case. And that's why it's like, if, if you can't win with guys like Trey McBride, Scott Patch and Tommy McBride and some of these guys, you know, I, I don't see how you win without them. Now, obviously things can happen in college football and maybe that's what this coaching staff needs is for it to be, their identity, their players, I guess, but right. just after the way things played out today, I couldn't help but think, how much better do Buffs fans feel right now about their future under Carl Durrell? Significantly better, and with reason. Oh, 100%. You know? 100%. And that's, I think that's the big difference right now, is neither of these programs are where they want to be, but see you very... At least, you know, from what we've seen so far, they've turned the right direction. CSU did a U-turn and we're driving back the wrong way. We're going back to the the brutal parts of the Fairchild era, the one in elevens, the getting beat 45-0 to Wyoming, you know, that just that type of stuff can't be the standard anymore. Not when you've invested so much in this program. So I'll always be proud to be, I'm always gonna show up. I mean, I've I'll say some pretty outlandish stuff right after a game, especially like in the group chats, my friends, my dad, all that type of stuff. But everyone knows, you know, I'm not going anywhere. I'm always going to be the voice of CSU fans and I'm going to try and call it how I see it. I want things to turn around. I think that this is a program that has all of the, the things that it should to be successful in terms of, you know, like facilities and location and like, I could be a sleeping giant, but mismanaged over the last half decade or so. And I just think a lot of punches are really starting to to catch up to CSU football. You know, they've kind of been treading water and now they're starting to sink. So you've got to, you got to figure it out here and, and pretty quickly because as I've talked about, you know, 0-12 is not necessarily impossible this year. I, again, I don't think that's going to happen. But after this, you know, you go to Toledo. They might win the MAC. They damn near upset Notre Dame today. Then you go to Iowa who upset uh, Iowa State, even though that's a game that I picked right upset-wise. I thought Iowa was clearly the better team. I didn't really understand that line other than Iowa State was at home. Then you host San Jose State, and like even the quote-unquote winnable games, going to Hawaii is not easy. Going to New Mexico isn't necessarily going to be easy. That's their Super Bowl, dude. I talked to their head coach. He's like, dude, we haven't beat CSU in 10 years. 
It matters. They talked about it every single day leading up to what was supposed to be the CSU New Mexico game last year. And I promise you they're it's going to be drilled to them. And even like talking to former players, they've mentioned New Mexico always plays us so hard. CSU's managed to escape some three point wins, but that trip to Albuquerque is harder than people think. Utah state has turned things around. You still got to host Nevada. You still got to host San Jose state. Still got to host Boise state. You got to play air force in Wyoming. Like is there a situation where you could lose all those games? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen. I'd be very surprised if they went 0 and 12 but it's not impossible. And the fact that it's like not impossible in a way that's more realistic than I would, does that, does that make any sense at all? Like it's not impossible and it's so possible that it makes me nervous. Like you know what I'm saying? I don't think it's going to happen, but the fact that it could happen does make me nervous. This this team can lose to anyone for sure. I would also not get too caught up in the results here because like, they were right there with Vandy and should have won. I mean, well, then that's the thing. I mean, if you start winning some of these close ones, yeah. So, like, I think they will beat New Mexico. And the way this defensive line is built and the way, you know, you can run the ball on your side, I think that matchups against Air Force and Wyoming aren't going to be complete blowouts. They'll actually be. I don't either. I mean, I, I think they're going to still be competitive. I just, it's, I wonder how much the emotion gets in. The secondary really scares me, and the quarterback scares me. I think the O-line has shown some good moments. They've shown some bad moments. The D-line, you need to develop some depth, or else they're always going to be gassed at the end of games like today. Um, and, I mean, let's hope Dante writes on. But I think, you know, Mount West play, everything changes. Like, we got to remember, it's been two years since we saw non-conference play. Non-conference play is wacky. Swack. No, you're right. You're right. And I, and I like that you are bringing that perspective. I just, I just wonder how much emotion starts to take over, especially if you do start the season 0 and 5, which is kind of the, what you're looking at right now. Obviously you hope that you can pull an upset in the next three weeks, but they're certainly not going to be favored at Toledo, Iowa, or home against San Jose state. So if you do start 0 and 5, like, you know, how, how much dejection starts to set in. And especially tonight, like they lost a couple of guys with injuries. Hopefully they're not serious. Uh, Rashad Ajayi went down. They're already thin in the secondary. If they lose another guy, that's been like a three year starter at corner. Yeah. My God, man, like my God. Um, there was a, I, there was a comment that Yahir put up here a second ago about Joe Parker. Uh, is Joe Parker to blame for CSU struggles in the last five years? Yeah. He's the athletic director. He makes the decisions, right? So, right. Falls on his head, sir. Um, um, is he solely to blame? No. But is, does he assume a large portion of that blame? Yeah. He's the athletic director. Like he made the hire. I want to know, and maybe this is something we'll find out down the line. Like, I want to know why urban Meyer and Joyce McConnell pick Steve Adazio as the head coach. I know Joyce McConnell's school president. She has the ability to veto what she did when they wanted to hire Butch Jones. You're the athletic director. Why wasn't that your call? You know, there's there's a lot of stuff that's weird about this CSU athletic department right now, but failed leadership and, and it, it goes beyond him. It does go to the president. And as much as we love to talk up, talk up Tony Frank, he he deserves some of the blame in this as well. You know, you've made the wrong hires. Mike Bobo was the wrong hire. Extending him was the wrong move. I supported that move at the time. So I also was wrong being fair, but it was the wrong move. We saw it didn't work out. So far, Adazio appears to be the wrong move. 
he's the AD. He takes the blame. And he would admit that, you know, he would say, if you ask me, yeah, it's my job to make these calls and it hasn't worked out. So that's where we're at. I'm not going to rail on him or anything. I think Joe's a good dude, but like. The two Bobo contracts are the really tough. Yeah, That's because the program you, was at a sweet committed to mediocrity at that point. You had an opportunity to swing things in the right direction, you know, still with a lot of talent in place. You know, you had Dalen Dawkins and Michael Gallup and all these dudes. Like, you could have brought in a different guy and maybe turned things around and pulled a Jim McElwain who was able to win with, you know, another coach's talent. Bobo, too, was able to recruit some talented players. He just wasn't really able to put it together. I mean, when you look at this roster outside of Scott Patchen, it's Mike Bobo's guys that are the best players yeah, on the team. For sure. That's so the concerning part. The depth yeah, is up. very concerning. And it's because Adazio hasn't been able to bring guys in. The quarterback sucks. And it's because that's the guy Adazio kind of picked, and they got saddled. And he pushed the guy out that was picked as a preseason all-conference pick. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's that's leadership direction there's a lot of layers to it sometimes it falls on the ad some of it falls on the coaches some of it falls on the president but the common theme with csu over the last half decade is just failed leadership there have been some things that have been great you know you scheduled all these big time games against sec teams you know you got trips to michigan Texas, all that that stuff's great but at the end of the day winning winning is the only thing that matters and you haven't done it so until you start to win People are going to continue to be frustrated. They're going to be continued to tweet things and, you know, be pissed off. And that sucks. It sucks because there was so much excitement around this program not that long ago. And it sucks because there are players on this team that are talented, that are going to go to the NFL, that are good dudes that deserve your support. But I'm certainly not going to tell anyone that they should not be mad uh, after the fr- these first two weeks of the season. Then again, maybe it's the natural optimist in me. We've got 10 weeks, so we'll see. How things turn around, you know, that's really all we can do. Hopefully they're able to build on some of the things they did well, at least from uh, running the football and getting the ball to trade, just the foundational things that they did well. Yeah, I mean, there's, they're not completely inept. There's things to build off of on both sides of the ball. Yeah, there there are things you can build off for sure. Um, And that's, I mean, that's really the approach that I focused on week one, and again, like it's it's only week two. So a lot of those things do come into play. It's just when you lose a very winnable game against a team that you are clearly more talented than. Yeah, no, you don't want to lose the game. <laughs> it's a gut punch. So hopefully the Rams can respond. Um, the sun will come up tomorrow. I will be making CSU content no matter what. So, you know, hopefully they are able to kind of turn things around. But regardless... I'm going to do my part to try and make it interesting for you guys. I'm not, I'll just say it right now. I'm not going to get on my podcast every single day and just be like, ah, oh, this sucks. This sucks. This sucks. Cause who wants to listen to that? So I'm telling you now, there are things that I'm going to focus on. Um, you know, you can say I'm pushing sunshine or whatever, but I think if you listen to the podcast tonight, I'm being very realistic about the situation. I just, you know, I want to have fun still. I still am appreciative of the fact that college football is back, that fans can be here, that we have games to watch, that we have games to talk about. Like, I don't want to take any of it for granted, even if it is going to be a frustrating year. You got to. You got to, man. I mean, and it's college football. Like, the parts of being a fan is being through it, good and bad. That's what makes the the high moments so great, right, is the, the low moments being so brutal 
or at least that's what I've been told. I'm still waiting to experience those high moments um, when it comes to college football fandom and uh, my alma mater. But that's all I've got tonight. Dre, thank you so much for hopping on with me. Yeah, here behind the scenes, shout out to you as well. It's late. I appreciate you guys giving me this time, letting me vent through some of my feelings. I feel a little bit better than I did an hour ago, so I guess that's that's a benefit. And I'm excited for next week. We've got a watch party at Panhandler's Pizza. If you're going to be in Fort Collins, if you can't make it out to Toledo, which I imagine most of you can't, come watch the game with me at Panhandlers. There's going to be some other people from DNVR there. We're going to have merchandise for sale. Um, if you just want to shoot the breeze, talk football with me, I'm always down for that it's going to be a fun time. You know, like I said, at the end of the day, college football is a blast. It's what all of us love. And, you know, the, the community aspect, being able to watch people or watch games in person with your friends, like that's just such a fun experience. So try and focus on the fun stuff. We will get through this football season. Hopefully some things turn around quickly, but just remember guys, hoops is just around the corner. We're about two months away here and things are going to get real, real exciting over in Moby Arena. Uh, but this was the first ever edition of DNVR Rams Late Night. I'm Justin Michael. Andre, thanks again for coming on. I'll have more content on this game in the next couple of days. I'm going to give myself at least the rest of the night to sleep. I am going to try and write a little bit. But yeah, going to put it behind me, focus and, and see kind of where, where things really went wrong and see what they can build off of. And We'll just keep it rolling. Good night. Good night. Yeah. Khakis wearing graphic tees, feeling way too trendy. Raps that kill. Oh, I'm deadly. Primed and ready like machetes at a deli in New Delhi. Feeling scummy like Martin Scarelli. Turn jam into jelly, then drink it like juice. The water's the truth, so I sip on that too. Skinny looking kid with no car keys. Like the only thing I drive is RCRV. He's got the stash like Steve Harvey. Oh, I'm gnarly. Like-